Dr. Melvin? Yes. Uh, this next topic has kept me up at night because it's so explosive. Absolutely. And I got a funny feeling that a lot of people are going to get a lot of clarity out of this topic I because, oh, imagine a, like a volcano. Yes. And we get to find out what the ingredients of that volcano are. Yes. So tell us more. Okay. So let's start with the way we get energy, that we talked about before, two different ways. Extroverts, they want the energy from being with people, being out, you know, outside of themselves, and they're social and expressive. Introverts get their energy from the inner world. They sometimes like to read, you know, reflect, be very reflective, have a tendency to uh, be very private and, and quiet. Now, that's the energy, the source of energy. Either we get it from like, okay, oh, my battery's dead. I got to go home and re recharge it. Then I'll go back out. The extrovert gets more energy and more energy and more energy by doing things, and they only go home when the battery's dead. Now, after you, you see how you actually, you know, kind of like get your energy, the next thing is that, okay, well, gathering information. We gather information two ways, either through our sensing or intuitive functions. Now, the intuitive function is the function where you see all kinds of possibilities and theoretical you know, ideas and you like variety, you like change, and you speak in metaphors and, and in a figurative way. The sensing are people who absolutely <laughs> require facts and details, reality-based, usually can go back and see things that happened to them in the past and refer to those things like they happened yesterday. So they're in the here and now. They're very practical and they like repetition and they like they speak literally. So if you want to meet me at 7.04, it's 7.04. It's not 7-ish. It's not 7 o'clock. It's 7.04. Now that's the way they gather information, either through their intuitions or they either get it from sensing. Now this function, we call it the judging functions, means that now you've gotten information. Now you have to make a decision. And there are two ways people make a decision. Typically, they make decisions, not typically, but I mean, they either do it with their feelings and they say things like, you know, I feel like I want to go to the movies tonight. Or the opposite is the thinker. The thinker is the person who makes a decision based on logic, who might say, well, tonight's not a really good night. If we go tomorrow night, we can get in for $2 cheaper. And if we go to the, uh, the, the 10 o'clock show, it's even $2. So we can say $4. We go to the 10 o'clock show and they're going to give you all the details and go like, all I wanted to do was go to the movies. I didn't want to get into all of that detail or, you know, all, of, you know, and then why do you want to see this movie versus that movie? If we're going to go to the movies, that's one thing. But which movie and why that movie and this? They don't want to hear all that. They just want to go with their feelings and they want to just go because they want to enjoy the movie, not debate about which movie and who they, they don't want to do all that. So now I find in relationships, I really might go on a limb and say, these two functions probably are the most difficult in a relationship to deal with. There's our volcano. There's our volcano. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. Because the feelers show up sometimes as like... <sighs> when, when, a, uh, when a feeler goes off the deep end... You probably just have to wait for them to just calm down because there's no stopping them. It's like the volcano. It's just going to keep erupting until it gets to a point where it's like, no more lava. Ooh, I'm done. Then you can go like, okay, 
is safe to go back in. But that's until already, then... That's already a huge piece of advice. I, I, I would have never thought as a thinker to just sort of wait it out. Well, no, of course not. That's your opposite function. You'll try to make sense out of it. Yeah. And you'll say like, well, what is the problem? What is the issue? And they're going like, it's not about the issue. Well, how can you have a conversation about anything if you can't tell me what the issues are so that we can have discuss it to rectify the situation? But I feel, wait, you can't dissect and debate feelings. We can deal with logic. Logic, huh? Absolutely. The thinker is a very logical person. A thinker is a person who makes their decisions based on logic. Mm-hmm. They're very objective. It's not personal where they're trying to like, you know, oh, it's like, no, very impersonal. And they also have the ability to critique things, meaning that they like to ask questions. And so when you start asking questions and you're logical and you're also being reasonable and you also have a tendency to even be critical and even have a possibility of being tough, that doesn't go well for a person who is a feeler because a feeler is not basing anything on logic. They're not basing anything on, you know, on like reasonableness. They're basically dealing with it from an emotional point of view. They're empathetic. They're compassionate. They sometimes have a characteristic of be accommodating. So they want everybody to be happy. They want everything to go well. And when things don't go well, there are two different really, you know, when you get down to the deeper aspects of feelers, there are two different types. There's the one that emotes like a, like you said, a volcano. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, bam. And, it's, and once they blow, you have to let them just calm down. Head to the bomb shelters. And what most people do, especially the thinkers, they run into the burning building. They know it's burning and they're going like, this doesn't make sense. Tell me what I did. You know what you did. Wait a minute. If you can't tell me what I did, then how can I say yes, no, or even have a conversation about you know what you did? Mm-hmm. Well, like that doesn't make sense. Oh, here we go again. It's got to make sense. You know, you never really appreciate my feelings. You don't care about my feelings. It's all about uh, did it work or didn't it work or is it logical? Did it make sense? You're always asking questions and asking more questions and asking more questions and asking more questions. And it's just like it really just pisses me off. Oh, yeah. Been there. In fact, I had a blow up with a um, friend of mine that we've been friends for pretty close to 20 years. And that was exactly what the what our final conversation looked like. You don't you don't you don't care about my feelings. You have no compassion. Um, You're not accepting You're you're too hard. And that hurts. And when she got to the statement of that hurts her was when I began to take it much more seriously. But by then, of course, it was it was too late. Yes. And even when I tried to apologize at some point later, it was completely not. Words. Yeah. Just words. Yeah. You know, they, they're they the personality type that might go, actions speak louder than words. Because a T, a thinker, typically is very masterful with words. Mm-hmm. And typically, they love to debate. And, you know, and here's the thing about, you know, feelers and thinkers. A thinker is not trying to destroy a feeler's world or destroy them, beat them down, or try to have them change. They're really asking questions to be able to understand. Once they get the information, if you, if you know, for example, if you're debating the issue or debating something, once I find out that your idea is better than my idea, okay, I'll go with your idea. Exactly. Won't have a problem with it because yep. they're looking for the best solution, the best idea. Using logic, what's the best decision? And remember, these are the decision-making functions. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to make a decision, give me some data and give me some information so I can make an intelligent decision that's very logical that will work. And I'm looking for the best decision. It doesn't necessarily mean I got to have the decision, have the answer. You can have the answer, but convince me or show me that your way works and I will 
acquiesce and say, okay, we do it your way. Not a problem. But instead, what I got was Uh-oh. a face full of, yeah. why do you always need to understand stuff? Yeah. Uh, and that's the difference between the thinker who has to understand it because you're not going to make a decision. Again, mm-hmm. this is a decision-making function where you're not going to make a decision and not have a clue of what you're doing. It's just... just it doesn't make sense. But that's what the logical person would say. Exactly. It doesn't make sense. So what can I as a thinking person, because as I go up against, and because it ends up being going up against a feeler, everything they describe just continues to build a wall, at least a perceived wall, that says your logic is not worth it here. Your thinking things through is not is not welcome here. Your being reasonable is just a ruse. Your questioning is an attack on me. Uh, your being critical stabs me like a, a, a knife, and you being tough completely destroys me. Boom. Those are those are my tools as a thinker. Right. How can I be more sensitive? If, if sensitive is the is the route, how can I be more accommodating? If, well, no, if no, that's no, see, the route. First of all, it takes more than that. Mm. It's like we were had one of the recordings we had. It's like not a relationship readiness it's like uh human readiness like mm. you know uh, you know of being ready in, for life not just one facet because a relationship is part of life so being life ready so this is another one of these functions where you know you can't see eyebrows mm-hmm. i find it very difficult for thinkers to be able to understand feelers because they're not logical mm-hmm. it's all emotion and like i said before it's like smoke you might be able to see it you can smell it. Mm-hmm. You might even know where it's coming from, but you'll never get your hands around it. Right. So if a thinker is trying to get their hands around smoke, you'll be very frustrated because you're trying to figure out like, well, how do I catch this smoke and put it in a bottle? And how do I do this? And that's a lot of logic and a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen. It doesn't work with a feeler. Mm-hmm. A feeler is like in the moment mm-hmm. is, you know, basically it's very personal. So when you say something to attack them or something is critical, it really is a stab in the heart. It's very personal. It really does hurt. Mm-hmm. I never heard any thinkers go, it hurt me. They don't do that. Mm-hmm. But the feel is like, you hurt me. Don't yeah. you understand what you just said? Yeah. Hurt me? And you're going like, all I said was, well, I was trying to explain. I don't, un-, and you're asking more questions. And so the fire gets even bigger. Mm-hmm. And the explosion gets even bigger. And so all you're doing is feeding the fire because every time you ask another question, it's just like, see, you're doing it again. You're doing it again. Now, because of this, this, this particular topic is, is near and dear to my heart, and apparently I'm not alone in this, um, part of my thinking, or at least the, the base of my thinking on this, because, you know, I'm a thinker, is that when push comes to shove, I know that other thinkers are going to be able to get out of the emergency. Uh-huh. I know that feelers are going to have to be carried out of the emergency. <laughs> And what I found is that in times when I've moved over to being a more feeling person, if a crisis or something occurred, I was not then ready to respond the way that I would normally respond. I was less able to respond to that. But McCall, I've said before, Mm -hmm. Jung's whole concept of middle age is individuation so that you have proficiency and capability of being able to do the feeling and the thinking so that any particular time or any situation in life you'll be able to choose this is a time for thinking so if i gotta get off the plane mm-hmm. 
this is not what I feel about. How do I feel about the explosion? Mm-hmm. It's like, what's the most logical way to get off this plane? Now, when I came on, I know the exit is two seats behind me and the one in front of me is 10 rows in front of me. So I'm going to go to the one behind me because you thought about that and you start questioning. What about this? What about that? And you might even get into the, uh, you know, the uh, emergency copy of how to exit the plane. Mm-hmm. Do all those things because, you know, it's not about your feelings when it comes to the plane. Mm-hmm. It's like, get off the plane. Mm hmm. You know, so the feeler might be the person that may, and I may be exaggerating and going on a limb. It's like, oh, my God, I can't leave my only sweater because my grandmother gave it to me and it means a lot to me. And you're going like, if you don't get off the plane, it won't make any difference exactly. if grandma's sweater is on the plane or not. And get I've off been, the plane. And I've been in situations like that and the feelers responded exactly that way, that they were in not a particular rush to put themselves into a safe space because there was some sentimental reason that they weren't going to move. And um, and it, to me, it's a life and death conversation. And I'm sure to them, it's a life and death conversation, but it's just a different conversation. But see, the life and death for them is their very existence. They're actually, their being, their mm-hmm. whole, everything, like their, their whole being really is like at stake when they violate themselves is or it violate their-, their personal values or violate their heart and how they feel about stuff is like they feel like they've been violated at the you know like oh, at the deepest level and their being or their spirit because it's interesting you, you you say it that way because when I think of it my experience of it is it's about the physical the corpus the body the physical being right and then what they're referring to is in my listening anyway uh, their their experiences their spirit their emotions which the, are not necessarily the essence, tangible the essence, the essence of who they are right that's what they're protecting yes. It's the, the identity, the essence of who they are, the core mm-hmm. elements of that makes them who they are. And you're challenging that, their personal values and you know, and how they see the world and how they feel about the world. It's like, oh, no. So there's like, th- it's like, I believe the death penalty. Mm-hmm. You don't. Right. One of us, you know, we got different opinions and I'm saying one's right or one's wrong. Mm-hmm. But if it really truly is something that I believe in to the depth of my soul, to the point that I'm going to go protest, that I'm going to send money and do that, it's because I really feel that this is a strong conviction that I must stand up and support mm-hmm. either way, mm-hmm. life or death. Right. And you do that. But it's not one of those logical decisions of like, you know, let's get the statistics out and see how this blah, 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 blah. It's an emotional thing. Right. Just like uh, birth control or, you know, pro-life and, you know, it, an emotional feeling. So when you see people who typically are like out of control, mm-hmm. I say like they left the reservation, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. gone, I ain't, I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's like, woo, Sherry calls it, they get hijacked, where it's like, I don't know myself anymore because whew, I left mm-hmm. and I got to wait for my body, my body and soul to come back to the planet mm-hmm. so that I can kind of calm down to be able to go, okay. Well, one thing that sounds like you're clarifying, and this, this, this for example, would be huge for me to understand as a thinker, that from what we just discussed, that for a feeler, their spiritual health, their spiritual existence, their emotional health, their emotional existence is objectively more important than their physical bodies. Is that is that a fair? Uh, yeah, in generality, speaking of metaphors, like, yeah, okay, I'll buy that. Okay. It, w- w- so in other words, if I'm saying, let's get out of here before we get burned alive, to put it in really real terms... And that person, and the feeler is saying, yeah, but if I go, I can't leave without my Aunt Mamie's sweater because it means so much to her and it means so much to me. I have to get that. To me, at least in my thinking side, that's putting that physical safety, the, the, the safety and well-being of, your, of the physical body in jeopardy 
to pursue that spiritual, emotional uh, health. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm going to pursue immediately for the physical health, and then we can get back to the emotional health. Mm-hmm. But, I, but now I really get the break that I've been trying to encourage or force people to make when it comes time to take action mm-hmm. versus remain in their feelings. This, this, this is actually a huge shift for me in terms of how I can now interact with someone so who I you, know is a feeler. So if you're a feeler as a thinker, you need to be considering that this is a very fragile, mm-hmm. gentle, mm-hmm. delicate, mm-hmm. beautiful spirit mm-hmm. who's trying to express itself mm-hmm. for the good of all. Mm-hmm. Another characteristic is they, they believe in everybody winning, not just you, mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. You want the whole village. I think we were talking one time about if there was an emergency and 20 people would have, you know, like you know, a shooting or something catastrophic happened, and there was a flood of people running to the emergency room, and you saw that you know you didn't have enough resources to treat all of the people. Mm-hmm. You know, a thinker would actually say, "Well, let's look and see who's critical and who's not critical, and we'll try to figure out where they are, and then we'll base our treatment based on that." Mm-hmm. And you know, we might have to be the one. And I remember one guy in the seminar says, "I'm the kind of guy that if someone needed a tube of lipstick, you had to have a tube of lipstick and put an X on the ones that are not going to make it. I could do that and then go have a happy meal after it was all over." Mm-hmm. And I'm going like, "What?" Yeah. And so I, I, being a feeler, came from the position that. How could you possibly, based on resources, make a decision who's going to live and who's going to die? Mm-hmm. How, you are not God. You're not the person that says this one's definitely going to die. You may think they're going to die, but why wouldn't you want to try to do everything you possibly could to save them all? Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have enough not nurses. I mean, not doctors. Well, maybe we can enroll nurses to deal with the ones that are going to make it and have the doctors deal with the ones that are in a critical list or might not make it. And then we'll change our resources and we'll do this. We'll order more resources. So the thinker is going like, give me the tube of lipstick. Mm-hmm. The feeler is going like, no one's going to die on my watch, and I'm going to do everything possible. You know, get a helicopter and, and medevac, you know, supplies in here, but in the next 15 minutes and all these possibilities, and no, 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 and they'll be fighting over, like, should we let... And the thinker's going, why are Got to make a decision. It's like, we need to get off the plane. And just because... <laughs> Aunt Mimi's sweater is something that's been in the family for five generations. Mm-hmm. And you really feel like, all I got to do is just pick it up and take it with me. You're going, it's life and death. Well, the thinker is going to do what's necessary to get the job done, life or death. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to be concerned about the feelings and the harmonies. Like, get off the plane. Get off the plane. As compared to, well, let's see if we can help somebody else. Get off the well, Wait a minute. If you can't get off the plane, what makes you think you're going to be able to take somebody? But the feelers There's are no going to be dealing going for the universe, right. for the community, mm-hmm. for the good of all mankind. And it's very personal to be able to say, you know what? I want to save everybody. Mm-hmm. They might be the last one that gets off the plane. Mm-hmm. If it's built, you know, I'm saying a feeler is going to care. Yeah. Well, the thinker's going, we're going to get as many people off this plane as possible. I did the best job possible. We saved 700 people. Yeah, but we left 22. We yes. could have possibly saved all of them. Mm-hmm. If I could have saved them, I would have. So the 22 that were left behind, there was really nothing more that we could do. Right. Yeah, but then you go back and forth. And this reminds me of another um, dynamic that seems to affect feelers more than other personality types. Uh, Several years ago, um, I knew a yoga instructor. And uh, she trained in Germany, India, and here in the U.S., And I found that she brought a tremendous amount of sensitivity to her practice. And one of the practices that she did was actually worked with um, uh, survivors of breast cancer. Okay. And 
we were discussing who the people are who were, were in her class. You know, it's yoga for survivors of breast cancer. And as it turned out, every last one of them, male or female, uh, were, were feelers who wanted to save everyone, who wanted to save the world. And these were your, your, your nurses, and they all were in, in caring professions. Your nurse, they were nurses, they were social workers, uh, marriage and family counselors, uh, these types of professions. And I had not really read anywhere where this body of knowledge had come together, but it became crystal clear to me that when we talk about boundaries, for example, that feelers tend to not really have boundaries which is precisely why they want to help everyone, whether it's possible or not. Because for them, from my perception, there is no perception that things are not possible. You know, there's, no, there's nothing in their universe that says, you know what, there's 10 people in the room, 10 people are getting out of the room. There's no possibility for them that fewer people than the 10 are going to get out. And my thinking sense, or my thinking self, I should say, um, observes that there is a rational limit to your physical energies. There is a rational limit to what you can produce. There is a physical limit, a rational limit to, to, to what you can impact. And when I look around the world, I see people who are giving their literally their all to the point that it takes their life, which then reminds me that it's not their life that they're worried about. They're worried about their spirit. They're worried about their, their, their emotional and spiritual energies. And this narrative also helps me gain a tremendous amount of respect for the priorities of a feeler because they're sa- they sacrifice themselves every single day. Now, let me break something down. Mm. Feelers are the ones who sacrifice themselves every single day. Typically, they're last. They're mm-hmm. going to give their energy out to their kids. And if they're in a service business or, or a profession, it's the nurse. The nurse is always going to be taking care of someone else. It's mm-hmm. a social worker, like you said. Those are feeling professions where you're about caring. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the professions, you would not find an engineer in a feeling you know, a right. profession. An architect is not a feeling profession. The building is either correct or it's not. Mm -hmm. You can't be close. Mm -hmm. It's not about how people, it's like the building has to be correct. So if you want to look at something, a person who's a scientist, you want somebody who's logical and somebody who's going to make, you know, I got reason, you know, I got, you know, facts, I got research, I got Mm -hmm. data. You know, I got all this stuff to a point that I can even debate this. Mm-hmm. It's not based on my feelings. This is based on hard, cold facts. And I'm making a decision that global warming is real. Mm-hmm. It's not like, hmm, you know, it seems like it's a little warmer today than it was last year. It's like mm-hmm. last year. What, last? So you want the data and the facts. Engineers, uh, architects, computer scientists, all thinking, computers, black and white, computer mm-hmm. scientists, black and white, S- science teacher, black and white. Feelers, nurses, which, social workers, you know. Which now makes even more sense why the feeler would be the one that has to be carried out of the burning building. Because they're, they're not at all worried about it. And by default, whether it's conscious or not, they rely, whether they admit to it, whether they're aware of it or not, they literally rely on thinkers in that regard to basically maintain their physical life. Well, one of the reasons that opposites attract is because when it comes down to a feeler, they typically feel secure. 
looking at a T. Mm-hmm. Well, T's typically are the goal-oriented male archetype mm-hmm. who's going to produce the results, going to be very logical, and they can usually debate any subject, and they usually can talk about any subject, and they're very impressive. It's an alpha male type of, you know, like, like a characteristic. So when feelers look at someone to admire, they look up and, oh, they're so smart, they're so competent, they're so efficient, they're successful. Oh, my God. They know they're so knowledgeable. Fast forward to, oh, he drives me crazy. He's so smart. He's so intellectual. He's so. (laughs) Then after you, you know, you find that you're living with an encyclopedia, then it's kind of like, oh, you think you know everything. Mm -hmm. Oh, what makes you think your way is the right way? And, you know, and and why do we have to do it this way? And why do you keep asking all the questions? Can't you just like go along with it? You don't trust me? Can't you just be happy? You just have to debate everything and question everything. Mm -hmm. Why do you have to question everything? Don't you trust me? Or if you love me, you would know what to do. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if you really Oh, care, so that's a feeler that says that. Oh, yeah. Got a it. A feeler would be like, you know, if you love me, you would know what to do. Mm-hmm. A feeler would say, why do I have to keep telling you the same thing over and over? Because if you understood where I'm coming from, you wouldn't have to ask that question. Obviously, you don't know me because you wouldn't ask a question like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you don't love me because you wouldn't ask a question like that. And you're asking questions because you want more data so you can make a decision. Not because you have a vested interest in the outcome. Because you can change the outcome. You just want the right outcome. Mm-hmm. But the feeler? Oh, boy. It's more about feelings. Now, there are two different types of feelers. They're the one, which is, like I said, a much deeper level of Myers-Briggs. But just to give you a point, that the person that goes off and is hijacked, as Sherry says, and just goes off the deep end, that emotional feeling, and they might yell, they might scream, they might emote at such a level that you're looking at them like, you get a mental problem, mm-hmm. okay? And then there's another feeler who doesn't emote, you know, and has the feelings inside. Mm-hmm. It's called an introverted feeler. But an introverted feeler is the kind of person who holds their feelings inside as compared to the emotional feeler who's an extroverted feeler that will absolutely display their feelings outwardly to a point that you'll know they're upset because, mm-hmm. like I said, they scream, they yell, they throw things, they get crazy, they, you know, like, don't tell me, they shout. Extra extraordinary example of an extroverted feeler is when they start yelling and screaming and thinking there's nothing wrong with it. All I'm doing is just talking. I'm just expressing my feelings. Don't try to control me and tell me I I should do this or I have to behave in a structured way or in a way that makes you comfortable. You know, I'm upset. I'm pissed off. Mm -hmm. And what you see is what you get. And then you trying to use logic. Like I said, maybe the best thing to do is just let them calm down emote, yell, scream, throw things. And then when they come back down to earth and you might get an opportunity, when you get an opportunity to talk to them, that's when you might be able to go, I, don't, I think I missed it. You know, you know, what, you know, how did you feel? Now you don't ask them what they think. You ask them, you know, how did you feel when I said that? You know, help me understand how you feel. So one of the things about communication, it's one thing to be heard, but it's more important to be understood. And so to be able to understand a feeler, they would have to explain to you what it means to them personally, how much it hurt them. And then maybe some kind of way you'll go like, oh, hurt. I was not trying to hurt you. Mm. Oh, I damaged your your soul and your mm-hmm. Absolute, mm-hmm. the essence of who you are. I, I challenged your, your, your values and you and I, you feel humiliated and, and just, oh, I didn't mean that. Right. I was just trying to express myself and ask questions. But now that you know that, you might get to a point of saying, 
how could I have said that in a way that it would really work for you? Hmm. You know, what ideas? Can you help me think of how I could have done anything differently? What I said, how I expressed myself, the body language. Just coach me into how I can, like, hear you differently mm-hmm. and give them an opportunity to coach you into how they feel you should be in order to, like, hear them. And then the PhD level is then when they do that, you practice that and then ask for feedback. How am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, then you know, okay, we speak in the same language. Now, I've, I've experienced that has worked with some feelers versus other feelers. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a conversation with a very strong feeler yesterday. And uh, she had asked me a question. And then I caught myself and I said, well, first of all, how is it you want me to respond to you? Mm. And she acknowledged me for basically pausing and injecting that question yes what what would you like me to respond with how would you like me to respond to this would you like a solution would you like uh are you are you, are you trying to get support um is there a particular way you want me to answer this question so i so i set that up i walked into it and she was really appreciative of the fact that i had taken notice of that and the interesting thing was, was actually interesting well no, no duh what was interesting to me about that was the conversation kind of just dissolved and never went anywhere after that. Mm. It was as if that acknowledgement was actually what she needed. I, I matter. You're listening. Yeah. You care. Yeah. Okay. Now that I know that. Mm-hmm. Ah, because basically, maybe it's about you, them getting that you care mm-hmm. and that you have compassion and you have empathy and you're trying to be tender. Yeah, and this person seemed to be so impressed with that that whatever need they need, whatever need they were pursuing in the conversation they had planned, yes, was met by my immediate response, and everything else was taken care of. So that was an interesting. Versus other uh, uh, feelers, who as soon as I try to approach how I should approach, how I should ask, how I should respond is when they get even more upset for me trying to think it through. Mm-hmm. So that's my experience of... of, can, of you, can you imagine how difficult that is for couples when you're trying to think it through and they're looking at you like, why are you asking all these questions? I don't have to imagine. <laughs> I've been there. It's crazy. Yeah. Because you're going like, help me think this through or help me... And they go like... What? Yeah. You're like the Antichrist. Yeah. And it's, it, well, I didn't experience it as a sort of Antichrist level of, you know, uh, uh, conflict. What I experienced was, was, was a kind of brick wall that I was, I literally felt powerless to be able to influence or impact. Right. I felt like someone had slammed the doors on my fingers. That's, because, exactly, that's exactly the way most thinkers feel dealing with, feelers hmm. and it's also exactly the way feelers feel when they're dealing with thinkers got it so that's why these two adversarial positions and these two functions are so deadly mm-hmm. because you're both right mm-hmm. and you both see it the way you see it you just don't see it the same way mm-hmm. and there's usually not a lot of gray in the middle for compromise not a lot <laughs> so so this raises a, another question that of the relationships that i've been in the ones that I can look back and say that I've enjoyed the most have been with these really intense f- 
feelers. Mm-hmm. I've had other relationships with, with thinkers that have gone really, really well. But there was also this dimension of there's that little bit more mm-hmm. that wasn't there. Yeah, that makes sense. But first of all, opposites attract. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not opposites attract. Mm-hmm. What extroverts love about introverts is they're quiet. And it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to rescue you and help you and show you things. And the introvert is really excited because it's like they wouldn't be out the house if the extrovert hadn't shown up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when we got back into the intuitive person, the intuitive person needs to be able to know somebody's got to take care of the details and all of the, you know, the data because you got to be somewhere else in five minutes and you're not going to be thinking about yesterday. Right. So you need the compatibility. The feelers need thinkers because when you're going to buy a house, you need to make sure the thinker's involved because the thinker's going to ask all the tough questions of the real estate agent, the lawyer, mm-hmm. the, you know, the inspector of the house, uh, the municipalities, the next door neighbors. They're going to ask all the questions. So mm-hmm. if you want to ask questions and get information to be able to make a decision, the, the thinker's going to think all of that because it's just a logical way. Why would you buy a million dollar house mm-hmm. without asking these questions? Right. Whereas we say, the feeler says, oh, I just love this house. And says, yeah, but we can't afford it. Well, it's interesting because I actually, I have a real world example of the house buying. Um, a relationship I was in some years ago, she was buying her house. It was her first house. And we looked at multiple houses uh, and it was narrowed down, the search was narrowed down to two houses. One was a fixer-upper and the other was completely ready to go. And fundamentally, they were the same design of house. And the fixer-upper, and in where this was, the fixer-upper and the ready-to-go, the price really wasn't any different. It wasn't like, it wasn't in the U.S., so it wasn't like here in the U.S. And she was actually interested in purchasing the fixer-upper. And I said, well, you know, you have a business to run. And I just ran down my list of logical thinking dynamics. You have a business to run. You don't really have time to uh, be renovating a house. Uh, It takes a lot of time. There's a lot of unknowns, blah, 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 blah. Now, ultimately, I never attributed what I had said to her making her final choice. But as you're describing it, I'm actually raising the thought that maybe what I had said in my thoughtful, logical way was that influence because it saved her from having to think it through. It enabled her to engage her feelings with the fact that she did, in fact, like, like this house. Um, but I never factored in my own influence in that regard as in, in, in terms of how much she basically made that choice based on what on, on my recommendation. Very interesting. Hmm. Yep. Hmm. So when you're making decisions, are you, you, know, you know, just, just think about what are my blind spots? Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm not a feeler. So what impact will this have on other people? Mm-hmm. What impact will this have on uh, uh, people who may not be involved. Mm-hmm. You know, what impact is, you know, and you start asking questions, but you ask the questions to get answers from a feeling perspective of like, can I be more compassionate? Mm-hmm. Can I be more empathetic? Mm-hmm. Can I be more tender? When you start asking yourself those questions, you usually come up with like, yeah, I can be more tender, so maybe I need to say it this way mm-hmm. instead of being critical and tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can be more empathetic and kind of like empathize with the person and being able to ask, you know, how do you feel? Mm-hmm. And then being able to relate to them and compassionate and having, you know, understanding and being relatedness. So all of those things and being accepting. Mm-hmm. So if you want to know how you can be these those things, ask a feeler. And then that stretch will be for you to get out of your comfort zone of asking questions and be more accepting, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. You know, will, will, will the world come to an end if you don't have all your answers? 
No. Okay, then I might be able to have a little flexibility on this one. So you don't have to ask as many questions. And asking questions is normal. Mm-hmm. But then maybe also from a, a feeling perspective, you probably want to even try to interpret why is it important for you to ask these questions? What do they really mean be- behind that? What it means is that my goal and purpose is to make sure the family is safe, to make sure they're provided for, and to make sure that I can do the best job possible to protect you. Mm-hmm. I'm asking these questions so that I can logically kind of figure out how I can do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking at trying to hurt anybody. I'm looking at how I can help everyone. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm looking for the best possible decision is so that it's done the best way possible for everybody to win. And doing it with logic, to me, makes more sense than doing it with my feelings. And I can respect and honor your feelings. So help me understand your feelings and I'll right. help you understand my thinking. And maybe we have some, you know, breakthrough or some common ground where we can say well let's take both mm-hmm. we'll look at all the people that are concerned and you get all the information you need and then we'll take your logic and we'll marry the two and come up with a, a decision that works for everyone hmm. so as you say that you know it, it has me reviewing relationships i've been with the what, what i might call and maybe you have a, a better word for it a better phrase for it i call it the articulate feeler versus the inarticulate feeler in other words I've been in relationships with, with, with feelers that were really just not terribly equipped to describe their feelings, to actually have the conversation about um, actually about their feelings, and couldn't accommodate my questions, versus other feelers were able to describe their feelings, describe their needs. And I found that those relationships of the feelers actually went better because there was much more of a give and take. As they were able to be articulate, I was actually more comfortable to know when to ask questions versus not ask questions. Um, I felt that we were on a similar, if not equal, footing as it related to the fact that we have very different needs and our each motivation to support that other person's needs versus what I would call the inarticulate feeler who was, I feel this way, that's all there is, it doesn't matter whether you understand me or not, bum, bum, bum. No, it's the- Introverted feeler, which I said again is a much deeper level, mm-hmm. is a person that would possibly hold their feelings in mm-hmm. and not be as expressive as an extrovert. Okay. So an extroverted feeler would be someone who could engage, probably yell and scream, and you know, and love the challenge and talk about you and you know, want to fight and all of that. But the introverted feeler is the person that probably, like an introvert, would find it very difficult to talk about their feelings and mm-hmm. express it in a way that would make sense to you. Again, if you're a thinker. And you're dealing with a feeler. Don't be surprised that you find feelers attractive. Because why? Because they bring something to the party another thinker can't. Mm-hmm. They bring that soft, sensitive part, that loving part, that tender part, that caring part, where it's like, oh, this is nice. And you like that. And you're attracted to that. So, you know, it's no accident. Like I said before, many I will continue to say opposite attract. Now, a feeler wants that person who, you know, the alpha personality seems like they get it together. They're very intelligent. They're very successful. They get it, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, that person works for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they look at that at, with admiration. So was that, you know, to me, that equation has always been some kind of inherent volatility, getting back to a volcano. Is that volatility a normal part of the relationship or is that volatility volatility there when there's mis- when there's the misunderstanding no no i think that's part of the relationship that's one of those big like oh bad news relationships are difficult it's there it will always be there 
managing that, going back to the unconscious and being aware of that gives mm-hmm. you the ability to go, oh, Sherry's a feeler. So mm-hmm. she's going to emote mm-hmm. and she's going to express herself. And she might yell and scream, but that's just the way she expresses herself. Mm-hmm. So that's because she's very compassionate and she's very, no, she's very passionate about what she's doing. She is absolutely 100% committed to having everybody win and doing what's right. Mm-hmm. Period. Isn't nature wonderful? Absolutely. You and, know, and you know, all of us are necessary. There's no, you know, there's no function, no type, no anyone you want to get rid of because everybody contributes to the overall well-being of the community, the family, or the village. Mm-hmm. So you need all of it. But being able to understand who you are mm-hmm. and understand what pushes your buttons, mm-hmm. we'll be able to say, oh, that's just a feeler, emoting. Give them time. They'll calm down. Oh, maybe I need to try to ask questions to find out what, you know, what it is, mm-hmm. if they allow you, mm-hmm. or, you know, when things are calm which, down. Which was interesting because one of the common um, uh, requests that I've had from feelers is, to, is for me to ask more questions about them. You don't seem to care about me because well, what, what makes you say that? Because you never ask me any questions about, my, about me. Mm. And when I do has inevitably created massive problems. Well, you know, I think it might be unconscious about the questions that they're asking because they might be asking about, you know, questions like, uh, you know, why do you want to buy this house? You know, know, this is a fixer-upper and Mm -hmm. amount of time and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, on a scale of one one to 10, how happy will you be if you get this house? Mm -hmm. (gasps) A 10. Well, if it's a 10, and that's the way they feel. Mm-hmm. You come along and say, "Yeah, but you got to fix it up." It's like you're throwing water on the fire. I'm I'm happy and lit up, and all of a sudden you're coming with ice water, trying to. Cool. Don't ask me questions about that right now. I think that if I get this house, I'll be so happy. Uh, blah 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 blah. So understanding that. Another thing that you can do too is that if you know if you can't ask questions, you can usually, if you pay attention, read the body language. And you can tell from if the head's twisting around like the ex, oh, like something from an exorcist, <laughs> or if you know if they're calm and they're smiling, or if they got their legs crossed, the arms, you know, something that gives you some kind of indication. Because sixty-seven percent of communication through body language, mm-hmm. then you need to read the body language because sometimes talking may not help. Mm-hmm. So I'm suggesting that you know give it time, look at the body language, talk less instead of more, because the more you talk. Usually, the worse it gets. Mm-hmm. So, if you just go, I understand, I hear you, and I'm sorry, you know, I didn't know that it bothered you that much, then they can kind of go like, oh, you know, and you know, and then how do you feel? Is always a home run because they're feelers mm-hmm. and they want to express how they feel. Mm-hmm. So you always want to go like, well, how do you feel about it? Or you know, did it hurt your feelings? Or you know, is there anything else you feel that you want to feel, 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 feel you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. And then let them take advantage of that because now all of a sudden you're concerned about what I think and what I feel. Right. Okay, you might care about me as compared to asking me questions about, well, you know how much it's going to cost to pay the water bill every month on this house? Well, it's, you're making a good distinction because the types of questions um, that they have usually invited in that regard have been more personal. 
you know, how they, again, just as you described, how they feel about something. Uh, in terms of external things, water bills, purchasing houses, they've been much more amenable to slightly more logical pieces of that conversation. Where I would get into trouble was I would apply the same thinking to the house buying conversation mm -hmm. as to why they are having uh, an entire stake uh, when they've said a minute ago that their goal is to get fit. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then I question that, and then it, it, it explodes. Um, I've learned, actually, in, in fairness, to not go into that particular actual conversation. That's a burning building. You know, you don't, don't yeah, I don't, I don't actually don't, run into don't, that don't, burning don't, building. No, you don't have to do that. But it's typically been things that, um, for example, the, the, the quote-unquote getting-to-know-you conversation, that they want to feel, they want to be known, they want to be seen. And myself as a thinker and also as an intuitive I'm more likely to watch what the person does and mm -hmm. watch what the person says versus ask questions. Because mm -hmm. I find that when to answer a question, a feeler is going to have to go into some type of verbal or thinking mode to answer the question. Mm -hmm. And I find very often that if I were to ask them a question, their answer is most often different and in some cases very different from what their behaviors actually are so the the asking of questions as it relates to them personally in my experience hasn't really produced much of the fruit that they think it will what, mm -hmm. do, you, what, what do you say about that asking questions is a way of obtaining information in order to make a decision it wouldn't make any difference if you're a feeler or a thinker you're trying to gather as much information as you possibly can so that you can make a decision. You do it differently. So it goes back to balance. Hmm. A feeler is going to gather information using their feelings, like an intuitive would gather information using the intuition. Now, what you do with that information is you make a decision. And you can either make it from your feelings or you can make it from your thinking. Mm -hmm. There's a grid that comes with the 17-page uh, explanation of who you are that actually shows you your blind spots and has questions. If you are a thinker and you're probably thinking of all the questions that they, you know, that you possibly think of, it's natural. Mm -hmm. But for a feeler, the exercise would be asking questions that you typically don't think about. So if you, you know, you're a feeler and say, well, you know, what would be the end result of making this decision from a logical point of view? Which, you know, what, you know, what's the order of things that you need to do in order to accomplish your goal? Mm -hmm. Those are logical type questions that a feeler would have to answer to make sure that they're on the opposite side of their personality, asking logical questions that are reasonable and forcing them to think about things they typically would not think about. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in the same thing with the thinker it's like, you know, how will this impact people in the community? You know, if you close a plant business wise, you might make five million dollars because you're closing it down. You don't have to deal with payroll. You don't have to deal with uh, leasing. You don't have to deal with all the regulations and you can sell it. Fire sell five million dollars. You down the door, out the door and you're happy. Mm -hmm. A feel is like, what happens? What is going to devastate people? The community. Fifty people will be out of work. And it's like, well, Woolworths was a major drugstore you know maybe even a little department store they're out of business mm -hmm. so like nothing lasts forever so people go out of business like duh that happens right now some people lost their jobs do you make the decision based on can you make money or do you make a decision based on trying to keep people employed in the neighborhood right so as i approach so 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 
is what you're getting at that if i'm a if i know that i'm engaging a feeler which is probably the most important step to actually understand who i'm dealing with your list of questions seems to be a great place to start can i be more empathetic can i be more compassionate can i be more accommodating can I be more accepting? You know what I, maybe the question is, how can I be? More? How can I be? Okay. How can mm-hmm. I be? Beautiful. You can Thank be. You. Uh-huh. But how can I be? How can I be more empathetic? How can I be more compassionate? Thank you. That, can you that's imagine huge. people even talking to a feeler and going like, how can I be more compassionate? And the feeler's going, hmm, he's trying. Okay. Let me tell him. Let me help him. At least he cares. Mm-hmm. Now the door is open. Mm-hmm. You want to know about me? I want to cry now. I want to know. You want to know about me? I'm in touch with okay, my feelings. Now, all right. You know, it sounds like it, this could be interesting. I yeah. can I can talk about me and my yeah. feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel I think I should never, never, ever, ever, ever ask a question that doesn't start off with like, "How do you feel?" Right. <laughs> because that will mean I'm on your island. Right. And I'm listening to you and speaking in your language, mm-hmm. and the feeler is going to go like, "Oh." He yeah. wants to know about how I feel. Yeah, and if and, and I'm and I'm completely sure that, that, that people heard what I just said about, you know, I want to cry now and thought I was being sarcastic. But it's absolutely true. It's like I've just shifted in terms of just your question of how can I be more empathetic, shifted me into more empathetic space, shifted right. me into more compassionate space. And and as such, no, I wasn't being sarcastic. It's exactly the space that I'm in right now is is I'm completely uh, connected to and operating through um, my emotions. So when I'm working with two couples and they both can see like, oh, mm-hmm. we've been speaking two different languages and wondering why we can't get along. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my, I don't know, famous, but one of the things I, I explain to people, it's like two blind people playing golf at midnight with blindfolds on, <laughs> wondering why they can't get the ball in the hole. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can't see your eyebrows and you're unconscious. Mm-hmm. Now, when you bring consciousness to the equation and say, oh, this is how you function and this is how you think. And this is what I need to say to you is like, how can I be more empathetic as compared to what do I have to do? You know, and like, you know, like almost a question with a demand, like you tell me what I'm supposed to do. I've done everything I possibly can do. That doesn't go well. Mm-mm. It actually goes fine with some people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gets back to the the introverted uh, uh, feeler versus the extroverted feeler. I have found that some feelers can accommodate that request. What exactly do you need me to say? I'm happy to say it. Yeah. But see, a lot of feelers don't think, big word, think through it mm-hmm. long enough or far enough to be able to know mm-hmm. what they think. They can tell you how they feel. Right. Right. So this is beautiful. So, you, you, so you're suggesting that, that the roller coaster... The roller coaster of volatility is part and parcel to a relationship between a thinker and a feeler. Absolutely. Beautiful. Can't get out of it. Right. Which is great to know because I really get how volatility itself is kind of the things that both the thinker and the feeler really don't like. Well, see, we, we demonize that conflict. Mm-hmm. And I've said, suggested we start to turn that upside down and start really celebrating conflict mm-hmm. because the conflict that is resolved equals growth. Mm-hmm. And the only way we're going to grow is from rubbing up against each other with some type of friction mm-hmm. until it become, the edges become smooth. Mm-hmm. But you got to have the friction in order to get it the edges smooth. Mm-hmm. And you can't substitute it. you got to go right. through it, especially when you have two people inherently different. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, really different in mm-hmm. the way that they see the world and the way they make decisions. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make decisions with my feelings. You're gonna make decisions based on logic and you know reason. You're gonna ask a lot of questions, and I'm gonna be accommodating. So if someone says, "Can you can I borrow ten dollars or hundred dollars?" Sure, that's no problem. And you're going like. I loaned them $100 six months ago and they didn't pay me back and they don't have a job. So I don't know if this would really make a great. And it feels like what they need the money. Mm-hmm. What's, you know, you know, and accommodating means that you will sacrifice yourself for others. Mm-hmm. You know, you won't make a decision. You won't confront people. You won't get upset. You'll just turn yourself into a pretzel mm-hmm. because you want everybody to be happy. Right. So you don't ask questions that would have conflict. Mm-hmm that questions that would have you uncomfortable or even questions of another person they have them uncomfortable mm-hmm. so you just kind of like back away from that yeah and you know and you become accommodating you try to acquiesce and you know, make sure everybody happy and they love you and ooh, yeah. ooh, 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 ooh. i attended a seminar about uh, about maybe about two years ago now and in it the room was broken down into the four well the four main personality types it was using a different model so there's four personality types here and one was feelers, one was, you know, basically thinkers, uh, one was the, the logical people, uh, and the other were the, the, the action people. And we were all given the same task. We basically had to establish whose house we were going to have a party at. And basically the, the thinkers had established where the party was going to be within the first 30 seconds of a 20-minute exercise. Like, boom, and then we just played for the rest of the time. The action people um, basically took longer to come to the conclusion because they wanted to guarantee whose house could produce the most fun. And that's where the debate lived about whose house could produce the most fun because they want to, certainly wanted to enjoy things. Um, the, um, I'll call them the, the censor people, uh, it took them the entire 20 minutes to come to the conclusion because everything they wanted was so precise. The, the parking, the, the, the driveway has to accommodate so many cars. Yep. Uh, we have to make sure that the caterer can get there on time. I mean, they just literally went into that entire conversation. And the feelers, completely consistent with what you were just describing, wanted to make sure that everybody felt good. They wanted to make sure that everyone was included in the conversation. Uh, they wanted to make sure that everybody won and the net result was, and the, the instructor noted this even before they revealed, uh, but the feelers was the only group that never decided on where the party would be. <laughs> but everybody felt great, and everybody was heard, and everybody was understood, and everybody was accommodated, and there was lots of compassion and empathy. Yeah. But they never decided on where the party was actually yeah, going to be. That's why you need both. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, I think and, and they were the most surprised, not at the outcome, they were fine with the outcome, but they were the most surprised at what the world would look like if it was run by, if, if, if there was only one type of person in the world. Yep. And they found that while they would feel great about their world, basically nothing would kind of ever get done. Like, no houses would be built, no parties would be had, nothing. But everyone would feel good. You know, that, that, that might be a stretch. They would get the stuff done, but it mm. wouldn't be done in a logical, sequential order that with an outcome, you know, with an expedient outcome, because mm-hmm. they would have to consider all these other factors. Right. 
but yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. So it was it was a truly amazing exercise, and and every time I do learn about other personalities in this way, I gain a tremendous amount of respect for them, and inside that respect lives the empathy for them. Because you're right, when we see people as other, all we see is the things that are threatening to ourselves. We don't normally see what the benefit is of of accepting. Uh, those other people. And I think it comes down, if I, if I take myself as the example, it comes down to not knowing how to accept them. Because there's certainly on my part a willingness to accept them, but I don't know what flavor to accept. I don't know what color to accept. I don't know uh, what, what, what's, what's the emphasis. So for example, now that I understand that a feeler's body is less important than their spirit, spirit and their feelings, I know now how to approach it because I know that I'm approaching it as the body is the priority. So that gives me a tremendous amount of uh, space to really be with someone who's a feeler in a way that I could not 20 minutes ago. Mm. Got it. So thank you for that genius, Dr. Melvin. That's why I'm here. Holy cow. I had to learn this myself. And a lot of times it's the hard way. You, don't, you, you know, this is, you know, it's one thing to go to a weekend seminar. But, you know, 70% of what you learn, you lose on Monday. Mm-hmm. You can't go back and tell me what the last seminar was and the different distinctions. It's difficult to do that. And over a period of time, you lose it even more. So part of going to the gym is consistency and struck, I mean, and support. And structure. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with learning different personality types. You just can't say, oh, now I know. It really is like, what practices do you put in place to be able to improve your ability to be not like you, mm-hmm. to be the opposite of you, to mm-hmm. be like the other, to hear the other, mm-hmm. or to, you know, like really be the other. Yeah. Because then you have both sides of the equation and now you get to choose. But it really requires you breaking yourself up and yeah. really a conscientious effort. So if you do get the distinctions between thinking and feeling and you don't really put them into practice so that you can like, you know, have some type of proficiency in communicating with someone who's not like you, you just go back to your old habits because it's more comfortable to write with your left hand than it is with your right hand. Right. And the exercise we did before is like the hand that you write with, you have a preference for writing with that hand and you become proficient at writing with that hand. You wouldn't write with your opposite hand. However, if you work for a whole year, one hour a day for a whole year, you would become far more proficient and you probably would have a handwriting that's legible. Mm -hmm. But you're putting time and effort into doing that. And it might not be comfortable when you start out, but you will get there. So I'm suggesting the same thing with Myers-Briggs. Once you become conscious and aware of who you are, then you can start to realize, oh, other people are different. But now I know the differences, so I'm just realizing, okay, this is what cats do. They do not run down the street chasing cars and bark. Mm-hmm. Cats climb trees. Dogs chase cars and bark. Mm-hmm. So don't expect a cat to be a dog and don't expect the dog to be a cat. Oh, you're a cat. I got it. You know, in, in the movie Shrek, he mm-hmm. says, oh, you're a girl dragon. You know, it's like, nah, that's a different distinction. I thought you were another dra- a male dragon, but you're a girl dragon. Now I've changed everything. Mm-hmm. Now I, oh, girl dragon. So I'm suggesting that once you see a feeler, say, oh, you're a feeler. Listen to the words. They will tell you who they are. Mm-hmm. They will tell you when they make decisions, they're using their feeling function if you just listen and pay attention. Now, if you can't do that, eh, 
you're probably going to have a more difficult time trying to understand what feelings are. And you're going to be attracted to one, and you'll be frustrated, and you're going to like, why, why, why? You know, the last thing I'll say is that, you know, we had a seminar at our house, and uh, this one woman who wanted to host a seminar, she was inviting her friends. All came. We told them to do Myers-Briggs before they came. And I wrote a list of all the names and all of the type preferences. Basically, they were all the same. Hmm. When we have friends, we pick friends who think like us, who mm-hmm. act like mm-hmm. us, who compliment us, where we can really have fun without a whole lot of stress. Because you're not going to get stressed out with people that you, you don't have to be around. Right. But when we get into relationships, we find people who are opposite of us. And then we struggle and go, this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Why? Because mm-hmm. my belief system says we're not supposed to have discord. We're not supposed to, you know, fight or like, you know, get to a point where we're going to argue, mm-hmm. throw things or leave. Mm-hmm. You know, we're supposed to agree. And the truth is, is that's a learning process. You will find someone who's not like you. And the work begins when you realize, oh, we're different. Right. And all of this underscores that everyone needs to become more aware of who they are and more aware of who they're dealing with. When the conflict shows up in the relationship, there's an inevitability there. Absolutely. Because if opposites attract, then at first everything's going to be sweet and wonderful and flowers and waterfalls and rainbows and unicorns. But as soon as values are challenged, be it internal to the relationship or even external to the relationship, uh, whenever the deepest of um, beliefs are challenged, internally or externally, is when those instincts kick in and the contrast then begins to show up between the two partners. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's always been to my awareness that these, that these situations can be largely, if not completely, but I say largely dealt with in advance. In other words, you don't go to the tennis match having picked up a tennis racket that day. <laughs> you go to the tennis match having worked really hard for months and years before you go to the tennis tournament. Mm-hmm. But we do not apply that same level of necessary preparation or even have the awareness of necessary preparation when we enter most of our relationships. We prepare more for our job relationship than but we do for you, our most you, intimate you relationships. You can't drive a car without taking a test. Mm-hmm. You know, think about it. You have to get have a, a, a driving permit to, to, do a, to drive a boat. Mm-hmm. But you can be in a relationship without any prerequisites mm-hmm. and without any training, and good luck, screw it good up. Good luck. So we should, you know, you can't go as far as require, but I think we should offer, you know, uh, relationship training skills and tools at a very young age so that you can have a foundation mm-hmm. to build on versus mm-hmm. no foundation and find out that you're in quicksand, quicksand because the other person was cute. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it is absolutely a, 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 it's, it's a tragedy to think that something that it will probably contribute to 90% of your success or happiness and, or misery is going to be based on 
your feelings and where you are at the time, your age and lack of knowledge of yourself and of another person. And yet you're going to bring kids into the world when you don't even know who you are. Mm-hmm. That's a lifelong journey. Right. And then you're going to get married to somebody else who doesn't know who they are. Oof. And then the two of you are trying to figure out who you are individually and collectively on the journey. And you wonder why it's not easy. Well, please. Hey, honey, I'll meet you at the edge of the volcano. Right. You know? Bring your swimsuit. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. It's like it's not set up in a way for us to really be successful. Mm-hmm. It Got really it. isn't. Got Especially it. at this high level of consciousness that we have in 2016 mm-hmm. and now in this time in history. We're too conscious. We can see things that don't work. We can see things that work and we're questioning and we're challenging. And I have all these research tools and we got Google. We got all of these apps. And, you know, one of the largest categories uh, for help on the Internet, mm-hmm. relationships. Now, right. why is that? <laughs> yeah, because it's serious. We take it seriously. And there's really so much to learn. And thank you, Dr. Melvin, for for encouraging, really starting with your own commitment to this learning. That, to me, is among the most impressive parts about your work and what you do has been your long-term commitment to yourself and understanding yourself and your relationships, uh, as well as your commitment to others, individuals, and couples so that they can get to the bottom of who they are, so that they can be better in and of themselves and then better together in their relationships mm-hmm. and ultimately be better for their children mm-hmm. who will then take on those lessons Mm -hmm. and carry that forward. So thank you again for this powerfully informative, educational, and emotionally connected conversation. We look forward to talking with you again real soon. Thank you.